Completely inappropriate, but it's always weird that uh, your dog's name's Charlie, because my penis name's Charlie, and so this is really weird. Wait, when did you name your penis Charlie? Uh, I didn't name my penis Charlie, an ex-boyfriend named my penis Charlie, and the name just kind of made sense. (laughs) (laughs) The name made sense. An ex-boyfriend named my penis Charlie, and the name stuck. I I have so many questions. I love the mystery. I don't want to know. <laughs> yep, I'm just going to leave it at that. That is, um... So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's you, good. You... There, the, here's the thing. What's better than... Uh, I, this isn't the reason, but... Again, it's kind of taken on a life of its own, and so, good morning, Charlie. It's taken on a life of its own. Wow. You know what? At least yours has a name. I don't I don't know that mine has a name. I yours? think I joked around what names in the past, but I don't think I was ever really serious about any of them. Uh, again, like, it's of course, it's, like, not really serious. It doesn't have, like, a state ID or anything. But No, uh, but is it, like, <laughs> bad luck to not name yours? Like... <laughs> Possibly, I don't know. I've I've had nothing but good luck with it. So yeah, I feel like I shouldn't name. Well, like so, you're saying that the name has to be given. Like it's not a name that it can doesn't be have different. to be named. There are people who call like you remember that episode of Friends where he's like a uh, little general. He's like I thought it was like little lieutenant. He's like well I had to give it a raise after uh, I don't know some girl. That is a, that is a great job. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I could. All right. Well, I guess I'll I'll think of a name I'll for think it. About maybe. It. I'll think about hey it. guys, if you're listening to Brum Meets World and you have some recommendations for what I should name my penis, please write us in at brummeetsworld <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, you will never love. hear the words "Good morning, Charlie." The same again. <laughs> yeah, because I say "Good morning, Charlie" every day, but apparently you do too in a completely different way. <laughs> when the What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bro Meets World. What is Bro Meets World? Your boy Meets World fan cast. Uh, welcome to episode 33. I'm Siege. Tony Curtis in the place to be. Tony Kurt. Ayo, ayo. So, where you at? What's going on? Um, well, I just saw this episode and I'm actually kind of a fan of it. I yeah. didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did, but I, I'm, I'm digging this one. So this episode kind of hit on all the things that, like, I was, like, it just, it was relevant in several ways that I didn't think it would be, mostly because not only was it, like, concurring all the things outside of watching this episode that I happen to be interested in, but it also has Danielle Harris, which I happen to be, like, I, I was watching Charmed. Like the first season of Charmed, and she's in it. And literally, when I saw her, I was like, "Yo, what? What happened to Danielle Harris? Like, what's going on here?" It was just like such Yo, a random. Danielle Harris was damn. in a bunch of stuff. She oh was, my god, I'm and, excited to talk about it. And so. she's so damn likable and charming in this episode. Like, I as soon as the episode ends, I'm just like, "Well, I'm really bummed we don't see her again." Yeah, yeah, I do want to get into that. So, um, do you want to just get into it? Sure, yeah, let's listen to Tell Me About It. All right. Tell me about it. I don't know why, but I felt like singing along that time. <laughs> no, duet. Love it. Yeah, exactly. We need to make sure we harmonize next time. 
I'll Next time, you. yeah, we'll, we'll get some harmonies in there. Awesome. A little pitch whistle. <laughs> Season 2, Episode 10, Sister Teresa. When Amy comes home after a long day of work and asks Corey for some assistance, Corey puts his own needs first, prompting Amy to ask Corey to experiment with thinking of others and showing basic human decency. Corey, always down for a challenge, tries to spend one day showing bare minimum manners and looking for praise for doing so. He eventually is nice to a new girl, Teresa, who takes his kindness as a sign that Corey is different. Teresa, aka TK, her interest in Corey goes from 0 to 60 as she starts to shower him with gifts and trying to be around him all the time. Corey's friends and family think TK is being too aggressive, and so Corey tries to let her down easily. TK feels rejected, and before Corey can suppress his guilt, he learns that K and TK is for Kiner, and that Teresa is Harley Kiner's little sister. So, can we jump right into the roll call? Because I want to talk about Daniel Harris. Yeah, I want to say roll call. In our roll call, we have Teresa, aka TK, played by Daniel Harris, which we talked about in the beginning, uh, of fame that, I mean, one of my favorite movies, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, um, Halloween, See, that's uh, that's what I know her from. She yeah. is forever Michael Myers' niece. Yeah, and exactly. I, I, I grew up in a family where, like, I had a lot of older cousins. We watched a lot of horror movies all the time. So those Halloween movies, especially being kids and her, that one being about a kid, like, yeah. I watched that all the time. I love that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, she was in Charmed. And also, I did not know this. She was the voice actress of Debbie in Wild Thornberries. Thornberries. Wild Thornberries. Yeah, she was. She was I also did not that- know that. She had a stint on Roseanne for a while, too, when she was younger. She also had, like, a small part in the movie Free Willy. Yeah, um, she's one of those she's, 90s faces. Where she was like, one of those 90s kids, yeah. And you know what? It's so interesting because I feel like that whole batch of just, like, random 90s stars that we only saw on, like, teen sitcoms, I felt like if they were alive now with what social media is, they may have been able to build a brand for themselves outside of the limitations of the 90s. You know what I mean? I like, do. She's awesome. And I agree. I mean, because honestly, I'm thinking about it. She's she's kind of like in the same, not only does she kind of look like her, but she's in the same vein as Christina Ricci to me. You know what I mean? Okay, There's yeah, like sure. A, they were in, just in 90s things. <laughs> and I just, I, I, I wonder too, if it, is it just a thing of just like, you know what, you have, uh, you know, her and Jennifer Love Hewitt and you have Daniel Harris and they're all up for the same part. Like, is it just that Jennifer Love Hewitt got the role and that's why she took off? Like, it, what is it that kept Daniel Harris from reaching that point? Because everything I've seen of her in this episode leads me to believe that she is star-making material. Yeah, I mean, again, when I watched her in Charmed, it was something where, don't get me wrong, it's Charmed, it was overacted, but it is a thing where you remember her. And with the exposure that she had, you do wonder, like, uh, I'll even throw in Thor Birch. You know, it's just kind of like some people, like, these were all, if this was like a class or like the, um, what am I thinking of? The Mickey Mouse Club, like, class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some just made it and some didn't. And you wonder why, because like you all went to the same, you all did the same things, and you were at the and you all probably auditioned for the same parts. Too. Exactly, exactly. So I guess some things just like America gravitated towards, and you lucked out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just it, it really is a shame. Like, I, there's going to be a, a ton of times throughout the series that there's going to be a guest star that we really fall in love with. Um, 
And just to see just her like shine like this in this role, um, that could have been really annoying. The character could have been extremely annoying, but she is so charming that she pulled it off. Especially at the end, like the final scene. Yeah, there's, there's something about that that's funny. enduring. Yeah, it's I same here. I like laughed at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, what I'm learning with uh, this series is there are lots of latent things in my mind that i forgot that i knew but then like when i'm watching it my mind will fill in the blanks and what i mean by that like what is when uh feeny sees tk plus cm uh and he's like what do you think cm stands for my mind said corn muffin and i was like where did that come from you guess like, that yeah my mind but uh, what i'm saying is i didn't guess it my mind had it stored in there for some reason my mind knew that that was the punchline. Like, like in the that back was the, of your head, yeah. you saved that joke. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why. My mind can't remember where my keys are. I don't have no idea where my uh, wallet is. I almost left my debit card like three times this week uh, in the machine, but it knew corn muffin. <laughs> so, um, but in this vein, and I and I love that you brought it up. There are going to be a lot of little side conversations I have with this episode because it sets up scenes where I'm like, I want to know more. Or like, yeah. this is like very, very uh, relevant to like adult life. And as a kid, you just don't get it. Because when we enter the episode, um, well, you know what, before we do that, first impressions, where are you at? What were your first thoughts? My first thought was that I love TK eventually. I was kind of on the fence about her, but I initially liked her so much. Like, that first interaction she has with Corey, I thought was really cute. And I just, you know what I also liked? And I think it was partially just because we've been talking about the female characters on the show so much. Is that this girl had spunk. She had, um, she was, she was dominant. She was the dominant one in the relationship. And I don't know that we've seen that done on Boy Meets World yet, uh, where the female was more dominant. I guess with uh, Eric and Desiree, but I don't know if that counts. No, that wasn't, like, that was manipulative. Not yeah, really that, like... that, yeah. I mean, she definitely had the, the upper hand on the relationship, but just in a different way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it was very interesting to see just a different kind of female character, and I really liked that a lot about this episode. Well, what's funny to me that you bring that up is that I looked at this episode and I was like, I like this episode, but what if we had gotten TK's perspective on it? Or like we had taken her storyline a little bit more than we did Corey's. Or what if Topanga dated Harley? You know, it's like, a, what? why can't we have, or like, why can't Topanga be in this episode? Topanga can't, can't date Harley because he would, be on a list where he couldn't live near schools. He is an adult. <laughs> Topanga is a child. I don't know how many R. Kelly songs you've been listening to over the weekend, but that just doesn't fly, Siege. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. But what I was saying is, why can't... As much as I love this episode, I was wishing for a female plot line. You know what I mean? Like... I kept asking myself, why can't Topanga be in here? To be fair, I've also been listening to the Bechtile Test, our Bechtile Cast yeah. podcast. And a lot of that is like whether or not female characters are even on screen together at the same sure, time. Sure, yeah. Let alone but, do they have a conversation. That doesn't revolve around that. Exactly. And this was just one, we'll, we'll get into it. But anyway, it's got to go back to the beginning and we're not going to do it 
point by point, but I did want to bring up, can you imagine, again, Amy has just Oh my goodness. Her hands are full. full. The bags are breaking. And Corey's inside right there. He could easily <laughs> open up the door. He is microwaving his goddamn socks. He still tries to get in. The bad breaks, and he picks up just the celery and the peanut butter. Which, by the way, I love that snack. That is a snack I would eat all the time after school. It was very, very true to real life for me. But celery without peanut butter is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I can't no. Maybe ranch, maybe, but nah. It's peanut no, butter. It all needs the way. Peanut butter. Exactly. I also just had like a huge spoon spoonful of peanut butter. And when I went back home, my mom was like, I almost went and bought you peanut butter. I just love so you had butter. like a jar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what it made me think of the whole scene with Amy is have you seen that meme where it's like, Can you imagine working all day, coming home and your child didn't take out the chicken? And yeah. Like, <laughs> Like now that like, I'm older, just little things like that. Just like I told you four times, I called you, and you said you you were doing it while you were on the phone. <laughs> Can you just imagine? Like again, now like it's one of those things where it's like as an adult, the idea of coming home and knowing that you still have to cook to eat, and that you have kids to take care of, but then you come home and the one thing that you asked to be done. <laughs> That would make all of this easier. Has it been done? Oh, it's just like, it makes me want to burn something just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. And it just, I mean, I, I, I felt like Corey has picked up Alan's worst habits. I feel oh. like that's what we're supposed to see here. Like the whole episode was about Corey being more polite, but it should have been about Alan setting a better example for his son. Which is also funny because when you, one of the other points that I pull out of uh, this episode is the, importance of a strong male figure you know did you get that at all yeah i mean definitely from Teresa talking about like her experience with her dad and just like harley's relationship or harvey should we say (laughs) um just the impact that he's had on her life like you really see the importance of what it means to have a strong male role model even, like, if you zoom in on Corey and Alan's relationship, who, the reason why Corey didn't help his mom is because he was following the example of his father. Exactly. So, and which, by the just... way, looking at this, in the whole beginning of the episode, I was like, the the bar for straight men, um, and if we have to throw in white, which is not always, but if we throw in white, the bar for straight white men is so low. Yeah, I'll, I'll say for straight men, because uh, to be honest, I can't say that I wouldn't see this exact same bit on, like, the the Hughley's are, are, you know. No, no, no. I said, like, it applies to all straight men, but if you yeah, add yeah, yeah. in white, it's just, like, plus some, you know? Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, it was just, to me, it was just uh, really just a chance that Boy Meets World had to have Alan mature in a good way. Um, that they just kind of dropped the ball on again. But again, I mean, whatever. They've kind of given up on Alan and Amy <laughs> and Morgan, who we see for the first time. She looks like she's grown three years. Her voice dropped an octave. She had one line, and I was like, oh, you're not cute anymore. And she I was away. like, her voice did change. Morgan's voice did change. I noticed that. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I want to go back to the the low bar. And it's because this all happens because Amy's like, have you considered being a decent person? And so not only does Corey go around being like, oh, hey, I'm going to be nice. And by the way, when someone's like, thank you for being nice, he's like, tell my mother 
Um, but also, like, he gets Teresa's attention because he wasn't a douchebag. I really, the most unrealistic thing for me in this whole episode was Corey going, you know what? I'm going to be polite all day just to show mom I can. <laughs> like, what? No, that's something you're like, okay, mom. And then you just go on living your life. Like, that to me was the most unrealistic part of it. Well, it is, but I, as I said, Corey's one of those people where, even in the uh, tell me about it, I was like, Corey loves, like, he'll get things every now and then that makes him consider people outside of himself. And he's like, what would that world look like? What would happen if I helped another person for no real reason? Um, and he's, for him, it's just like this cool experiment thing to try. And you're like, why is that unusual for you? Why is like holding the door open this big gesture in your mind? Yeah. And the other thing was just that he was being nice in the way that was like, hey, give me appreciation for me being nice to you. Exactly. That's not being nice. That's not being nice. But again, Teresa's like, oh, Wow. You're really put together because you picked up the books that you made me drop. You're a very polite fella. Thank you. And your smile, it's kind of engaging. Yeah, I use the toothpaste with swirls. <laughs> Humorous, too. You got possibilities. Turn around, let me look at you. I don't usually go for Velcro heads, but on you, I don't know. It's working for me. You got a name? Uh, Corey. I'm Teresa. My friends call me TK. You know what's really funny too? Like she, she's like, "Hey, let me get a look at you. Turn around." And like he turned around, and she stares. She looks. She gets a glimpse of his ass. Her eyes get big, and she's <laughs> like, "You know what? I don't really date Velcro heads, but I'll make an exception for you after checking out his ass." Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: the ass is. This really brings up one really big question I have about this episode, which is, what was TK's intention with Corey? Because it seemed to me. That she was trying to ride him. Oh, sure. You're an idiot. And I don't know why I still do this podcast with you. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? Like, she is literally like, Frankie, I'm going to give you money to leave this car so we can get it on in the back. Oh, seat. no, no. It, I mean, that's heavily implied. Again, they there's this scene where they bring up, is, is she fresh? And all the guys are like, oh, yeah. And then. No, yeah. That's that. That's what else was so crazy about it. Because, uh, Har- Harley, I keep I, I keep wanting to say Harvey. Harley's like, oh, um, is is this true about TK? Is she fast like this guy says he is? She is, and all the guys are like, yeah, like they all got with her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they were all like, oh, for sure. Any of you guys know a girl named TK? Is she fast like he says she is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys know the K in TK stands for my sister. Oh no. no. <laughs> There, when you first see TK loves CM, to me it looked like TK loves cum. And <laughs> you know what? Like, it does look like that. It looked like TK loves cum, and I was like, "This is a terrible thing. I hate this." I was just really, I the entire time I could not figure out what it was she wanted from Corey because she, within the day of meeting him, rearranges her homeroom. To be the same homeroom as his. Yep. Ask the teacher if she could sit in his lap for the remainder of the <laughs> class. She sends flowers. She sends a clown that if ever this arrived is... at my door, I would literally burn it on sight because it's terrifying. That clown and is terrifying. She sends sirloins, which I have to say, as an adult, <laughs> extremely thoughtful. Extremely. <laughs> it's one of those things. He's like, "Yo, steak." <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the one <laughs> gift that I would be on board with. Like, if I had a kid and it was like, hey, clearly this girl's trying to buy your affection, but, like, these steaks are really great, so maybe you should go out with her for a little bit longer. <laughs> She's like, sirloin steak, yo. Especially, all right, so again, you were trying to feed a family of five. Um... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this and is then... more of an economic choice. This is a Sean's mentality. We're in Sean's mind Exactly, right now. and then also I love that even the delivery guy was like, yo, these steaks are A1. We're gonna. <laughs> um, so also, like one of the things that we were talking about with Teresa is I, as I said, I was kind of missing this female element, and I wish Topanga was in this episode. Um, like, th- like as a matter of fact, when we see her the classroom scene, I'm like, who's this bitch in Topanga seat? <laughs> I just am so confused as to like what is going on with Topanga because like. In one episode, they'll have a Cory and Topanga moment. Then the next episode, he's with some rando, back to Topanga, with some rando. Um, what's what's happening here? Yeah, and what I'm saying is, if there's another female character, usually, unless she's seen as, like, a foe, she's, like, Topanga's not in the episode. And that's what I'm saying. I'm just starting to notice. I'm like, why can't Topanga still be there? Especially there's only room for one female <laughs> but maybe they have this a quota. Goes, maybe this goes back to the whole idea that we're seeing it through Corey's perspective. So when Corey gets any other female interest at this point in time, Topanga just ceased to exist. Wow, isn't that such a shitty thing about Corey? Then yeah, like, I mean, don't whenever get me Topanga's around, she, out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. It's one of those things where it's like, uh, I, I would love it if like. That's what Topanga, like, the girl in front of Corey in this episode is what Topanga actually looks like. But <laughs> but to Corey, he's not thinking about her that way anymore. So it's just like, I don't know, random girl. Yeah. What is that? That is really... You know what, though? I wonder if that's just, again, part of their overall scheme to space out the relationship. I just wish there would be like a, hey, we're going to do Topanga for a few episodes and then explain why she's not around for a few episodes. Or like I mean, even she's... even if it's the sense that like like they do with Morgan or Eric is like you can be there and not like really have a dominant role. They're playing. That's where... all Morgan's been. Exactly. It's like you still exist. We still acknowledge that you're here. You know um, what? I think they do that later on in the show. Yeah. I think what happens is is that from a budgetary reason, they can only pay so many actors at a time. So yeah. that's why you don't really see Topanga in a lot of the background yet. However, I think as we start seeing less of the other side characters and more of just the focus on the four kids, um, that they're always around in the background. But I feel that, and it could be a pricing issue, but you're telling me that we needed Eric in this episode and we couldn't have used Topanga in the classroom scene. No, you're you're right. You're right. I mean, especially because at one point, in the beginning of the episode, Corey wants to decide. He's like, oh, I'm going to be polite to Eric. Watch this. He opens the door for the boys' room, the bathroom, for Eric. Is the boys' room not Feeney's office? I'm going to say, well, we know that that's an inconsistency in this show. That thing changes from the bathroom to Feeney's office every other episode. The The thing I wish is that, like, okay, if you're going to do the bathroom office switch, at least try to make the hallway look like a different hallway. Put up different <laughs> posters. Maybe have a water fountain in one and not the other. Like, move it around to just subtle things to make us exactly. feel like it's not the same thing. Maybe the bathroom 
is in front of Jonathan's office, but the principal's room is in front of a different classroom. Like just something. Yeah, they um, could they could definitely try. I mean, how hard would it be to literally make it up the stair? One's up the stairs and one's downstairs. You know, it's like it's really yeah. not that hard, but. You know, uh, you get what you get with this show. Uh, sure, sure. And, you know, sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's like you guys literally couldn't put it in a little more effort. Like, just um, a bit. I have a question about Teresa's gifts. Are we yes. to understand that these gifts are through her shady people connections with yep. her brother and family yep. members? Yep. Okay. They're clearly, it's like, again, it's very stereotypical. And as Helene had said a while ago, pseudo racist where it's like uh they're italian so they have like mob connections or whatever it's very it's uh it's weird it's also yeah because it seems like that teresa and her like kiner gang yeah um kind of crew kind of crew they seem to have the same connections that sean seems to have yeah yeah which makes me wonder i don't understand why the kind of crew doesn't attach more to Sean. They seem to have so much in common with him. That's a very good point that I never thought of. Like, he's, they, they're from, like, the same neighborhood. Like, we later find out that, like, Frankie's trailer is, like, three trailers down from Sean's or something like that. Like, they clearly have family with similar connections and similar past and history. Like, it wouldn't make sense for them to more so try to recruit Sean. And maybe that's just because I know who Sean's going to be. Yeah. But, that, I don't know. That just seemed like they would be a good fit. But they also did a lot of that hinting. It's it's one of those things where when we watch this episode, we get more fleshed out little hints at who Sean is and his background, you know? So it's like, yeah. a, a, how did you get here? Oh, my house is on the other side of the fence. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's just like things like that. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in this. So I also wanted to bring up... Um, not only were we talking about the gifts and what it's come, I thought it was really funny because we had just talked about love languages and hers is clearly Yeah, I wrote that down too, that her love language is clearly gift giving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was really funny to me because uh, we had just spoken about it. That was it. That's all I wanted to say. She said, I like sending you things. You're my guy. It makes me feel like, it makes me feel ladylike. Yeah. I, but... thought, I thought that was a really strange thing to say. Like, Gift giving makes me feel ladylike because I don't necessarily know that I know of a stereotype in which gift giving is perceived to be a, a thing a lady does. Yeah, um, but that, again, that brings up questions about her family dynamic and and what she witnesses. Um... Okay, can we talk about that? Because on the date that she's on with Corey, she starts talking about how her dad left her at a baseball game forever. Fucked up <laughs> on her on her birthday to go bang this redhead, and again I stretched the phrase. She she the dad met the redhead at the game and then left the daughter forever, never yeah, to come back. She said that um, was the last time I saw him, which is a wild story. Um, and then she's like, "Oh, I called my mom, but she was <clears throat> under the weather." Yeah, what did that under the weather mean? Because that I under stumbled. the weather meant that her mom was in a an addict that's what i thought i thought but i wasn't sure that's immediately what i thought and i thought i was like wow boy meets world like this is tgif implying that this like random character's mom is a drug addict or something like yeah or an alcoholic or something like that was mm, okay. which leads to a backstory i mean all of this is true and i uh i was kind of trying to use this as a segue this does two things one we get kind of our first baseball reference in a while uh, yeah 
Corey references baseball for the first time this season and talks about how much he loved going to games last year with his brother. Yeah, so that's very interesting. And then we also get a human backstory to Harley. Yes, and I wanted to talk about that too, your thoughts about him as Harley the brother. Yes, Uh, it's actually pretty amazing because as an older brother um, who also had to like help raise my little sister it's interesting the responsibility he takes on that and you kind of in a way can see why he is who he is like think think about it for a second you have someone who assuming they share the same father uh the same set of parents you have someone whose father's a deadbeat whose mother's an addict Clearly, neither of them are bringing in consistent money. So he, he the first thing he mentions is he spends so much time collecting lunch money and doing, you know, kind he's of doing it for her. Yeah, he's doing wow. it for her. He's doing it for his family. He's literally supporting. That would even explain why he's still in school. You know what I mean? It's like a, he it's didn't his have main time. source of income. Yeah. He, well, he didn't have time to focus on education. He's hustling. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And that puts a different light on it. And they even kind of lean into that because he's he seems to take family very seriously. Uh, not only is he like immediately nicer to Corey once he sees that Teresa's interested, but when he hears what's going on with Teresa, he's disappointed he bl- in himself. In, in himself, he's like, you know, I, I try to do my best to raise him right. And I know that's like a joke that they were doing, but it wasn't really. Like, he's really taking it to heart because he feels solely responsible for the way she's turned out. Exactly. Um, and that's my whole thing. It's like, uh, Corey's like, you know, she's not a bad person, which I, I want to get into. And he goes, Look, no, I know that. But he's like, I just, I, I haven't spent enough time with her. And he understands that importance. And I think that that is wildly interesting. Yeah, uh, a very interesting backstory to give Harley. And it's kind of like, like, almost not really understanding like the the magnitude of the that backstory with him i guess it feels like it was a real underhanded pass of a of a backstory but actually had some huge weight when you start to dissect it yeah um i what i didn't i guess what, my only comment to what you just said is that um Harley, there are better ways to make money off a of high schooler yeah. than stealing their lunch money. Yeah. I I can see why Boy Meets World didn't want to go down the drug path, but what you just described is a man who could probably make some really decent money selling weed or coke. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, that I mean, like, there's that, and then there's also the fact that I feel as you said, they just kind of like hinted at it to give him some depth without really wanting to put any weight behind it. But it's something that if we were to make this show now, I feel they would really expand on that. You know, it's it's almost like a pseudo redemption story arc. Without, yeah, yeah. And I just feel like too, it's this interesting thing because they have this heart to heart, and then Corey's like, "Hey, so are we cool?" And he's <laughs> like, "No, we're not cool." Like, yeah, the, it, like uh, I love that. Harley has this kind of almost allegiance to only the few people he does trust, which is his sister and Harley, I mean, and Frankie and Joey. And no matter what moments he has with any teachers or parents or kids, like, he's going to resort back to being him. Well, yeah, I mean, because you said it didn't change their dynamic, but he has definitely reconsidered or recontextualized 
his position with his sister. You know, yeah. like he, like I'm not gonna think of that much differently of you, but I, I still see you as a good guy. But I'm still gonna rag on you. I'm still gonna do the things that I want to do with you. But um, thank you, almost in a way, for making me see the importance of a role I play with my sister. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was a really that was a really powerful moment that was acted all right. Yeah, by Harley. Yeah. Um, I don't know who this actor is who plays him. I should probably know that. But... Oh my god, you should really because all right. Um, uh, his name is Danny McNulty, and the reason why I bring that up is because Danny McNulty recently tweeted how much he enjoyed playing this character. And really? He talked about how, yeah, he literally, like, this last week, uh, understood. He said, on August 4th, I really do miss the magic of being able to be a part of Girl Meets World. It meant the world to me to be able to come back again as Harley Kiner and get a chance to work with such a wonderfully talented tribe of individuals. And thank you, Disney Channel, for giving the show an opportunity to shine, even though its world was ended way before its prime time. Oh. Yeah. And again, it's like, I, I, I love, and even with that, like when they brought his character back in Girl Meets World, um, it's someone who still takes his responsibility very seriously. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it's, it's, it is this great backstory uh, or like story in the background of a character that you usually don't see a lot about. Yeah, that was just, that was just a really, Interesting choices all around. Yeah, and again, it, it to me, it echoes what I said, where it's like, we would have gotten more, we would have learned more about him had this show been made uh, in 2018. Um, I did just do the math, just because I was curious, what, after looking up his Wikipedia. He was 22, 23 while filming this. All right, so, so he wasn't that old. You wasn't made it seem that like he much was older. <laughs> yeah, to me, he looks as old as Jonathan, but I, clearly he's just a, an older-looking person. Like, I no different than anyone on that No Two or anything. Yeah, but then again, he does like he is made to look like the greasers from Greece, and they were thirty. Pretending. Well, what I what I realized <laughs> is that you're a hundred percent right because I thought he was supposed to be like this Fonzie character, but to me, I was like, no, he's reading way more Vinnie Barbarino, yeah, John Travolta to me than he is uh Greece. So I mean I are happy days. So that's yeah. that definitely a strong Travolta influence there. Yeah. Very much so. Before Sandy. Before Sandy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the the douchery that took place before Sandy. Um can we one I'm I am I do not know how important this is, but I wrote this down I thought was funny. Apparently Sean broke a freezer so they wouldn't have fish kebabs for lunch. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, thought that yeah. was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, no, that I did. I saw that too, uh, and the morning announcements, which, by the way, was going to be my turned on by Turner moment, uh, because yeah, Mr. Turner. Oh, when he found out that his bike was in trouble. No, no, no. Honestly, it's not that scene. There's the scene where he. Oh, he's just kind of going through the yeah. What's going on in the morning? Yeah, the morning, and the boys are talking. And he's just like, oh, listen, I'm I'm sorry. I was teaching while you were talking. <laughs> my mistake. No problem. Guys, while you're here in my class, whatever personal stuff you got going on, check it at the door. Hey, yo, you Mr. Turner? Yeah, Janet about wants to see you down in the parking lot. Someone about his truck running over your motorcycle. My bike? Oh. <laughs> Read poems. When, and when we're talking about um, Teresa and this conversation that Harley and Corey has, 
this was another moment where I was like, why are we not having this moment with Teresa? Why is Harley and Teresa not having this moment? And I know that it's because, in reality, this the show focuses on Corey. But I think that... Well, I think that the other thing, too, is just that they're probably wanting to... Like, this is kind of a backwards way of, of giving him a backstory. So, like, as they have to include him because he's the character that's going to stick around. Although I do agree that I don't like two men discussing, like a woman's choices. That's what I'm there. saying. Like it's it's the idea like especially for me it's when Corey says she's not a bad person and Frankie's like or Harley's like I know. Um and you know there's this the discussion of her being fast and uh, it's like a, why are you not talking to Teresa about this? Why are you talking you know not talking about Teresa about the fact that Harvey should be spending more time and the importance of the role. It's just, it feels ick to me. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I just didn't care for that either. I didn't care for the way that Harley tried to control their relationship. I thought that was really unhealthy. The way he was, like, forcing Corey to go on the date that he clearly didn't want to go on. Like, obviously, I understand, like... <sighs> The, the feeble-mindedness of, no, this will make my sister happy, so you're going to do it. But, yeah. I mean, obviously forcing someone to go on a date they don't want to go on is not going to be a great success. Um, yeah, I, I just didn't really care for the control aspect that he was uh, – of, of Harley and their relationship. Exactly. Um, but, all right, so speaking of Har- Harley, um, so there are these things that we do where – I'm unsure of what the message is supposed to be in this because at one point in time, Corey says politeness kills. And it's even kind of sold that Corey's in this position because... Because his mom told him to be polite. Exactly. It's Amy's fault that he's a... Yeah, which I love when she goes, how are you pawning this off on me? You know what I mean? He's like, a, wait, he's like, it's kind of your fault that this is I'm even in this situation. Again, yeah, it is, Amy. <laughs> yeah, you told me to be polite and nice to people, and this is what happens when I do that. I get a girl who's all over me, sending me steaks, and now I'm forced to go out with her? Mom. Yeah. A few things that I want to bring up. One, um, we get a little bit more support of the Frankie being gay theory. Well, they did insinuate that Corey would have a date with Frankie. I'm assuming they meant, like, a fight date. But then again, I don't no, know what it's, fight again, date it's, is. For me, a fight it, date is something that Rihanna went on that we're still talking about. <laughs> that is terrible, and I will not allow you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's it's it's kind of it's kind of played as the same thing as like a prison rape joke. But it's like a if you don't go on this date, your next date will be with Frankie. Oh yeah, there is there is a little bit of a I do I do feel that. A, a bit of prison rapiness. Going yeah, on with but that at joke. the same time, the fact that he, you know, chooses Frankie, and we've already had like, you know, I don't know. There's just there's something there, and I was like, a, Frankie what? might possibly be a homosexual himself. And that's what I'm it saying. Was... It's kind of like a thing where, for me, I felt that Harley was saying, "You either date my sister, or I'll make sure." You know, it's like I know someone else who would like to date you. And I'll make sure that happens. You know what I mean? And you may not like that one as much. No, you won't. Because he's not bringing flowers. He <laughs> said so. Also, so when when uh, Corey thinks that he's 
you know, set up. He's like, how could it be any worse? And he's like, oh, Frankie's at the door. I only bring up that scene because Corey in that tie, they go, what does he look like? Or there's some scene where they talk about that. Ventriloquist puppet. No, my thought was he looked like he should be selling bean pies on like the side oh, of the road. You know what I mean? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> bean does he pies. not look like very like Farrakhan in that outfit? Like if he, he told you? <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, yeah. I didn't think of Corey Matthews in a, in a Farrakhan setup, but yeah, that is... <laughs> he just has that look. That's what I... Like, if you... Again, it's... Of course not, because Corey's white, but like, if you saw a black man in that exact same suit, you would be 100%. Like, that's what I'm saying. I saw it in my mind immediately. It was like, this man's gonna try to sell you a bean pie. <laughs> I have... I have some questions about TK, and my question is, is that like, are we rooting for her or are we not rooting for her because she's super sweet she's super charming but she is admittedly moving way too fast again changed her homeroom sent gifts to his home address several to the point where the dad made friends with the delivery man tony <laughs> who later went into the kitchen and prepared steaks for the family <laughs> yeah i it's interesting because what i kept looking at when i was looking at their dynamic is would this be different or would it be played for laughs if the roles were reversed? That's like, what I had a hard time dealing with too, because at one point she's like, I'm going to go grab my books and then you're going to walk me home. And I was like, Oh, I feel uncomfortable with the way she's kind of demanding him to do that. But I was like, if the roles were reversed, I would still feel uncomfortable by it, but I don't know that I would pause the same way. Exactly. I don't know. Like, I, I think if, there's two things going on here. One, the idea of her being so demanding and in a way controlling um, is, is, a, is in fact a, a red flag in any relationship. But at the same time, because she's a girl that's doing so, you kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt that she's just being assertive and goes for what she wants and it's coming off weird because of how we are programmed to receive this from a male character. Does that make I sense? I gotta say, though, if I saw a man acting like this, I would still think he was kind of an asshole. Like, that whole, like, ordering for a woman at a restaurant kind of thing. Like, that just taking control. Like, there's there's one thing between being, like, um, more dominant and uh, more assertive. And then there's another thing to just be presumptuous and controlling. And that's kind of sort of the vibe I got from TK at points. There was other times where I'm like, wow, there's obviously a deeper person here, but um, she clearly has some issues. She really needs to work out because she attached herself to this kid so quickly. Um, yeah. You and know, apparently and I, he's not the first one. Yeah. So. I, I, I agree with you. And I think you hit it the hell. Sorry. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, there, which is that it's still unhealthy. It is any kind of controlling behavior like this is is bad, and no one should. Uh, and I think just seeing it come from a female character makes you pause. Does that mean, like am I am I? No, no. I mean, I definitely. I f that's what I'm wondering though. Like, because I I do think I would pause even if it was a guy. I just think it's toxic behavior for any relationship for someone to be controlling that way it is and i don't disagree i'm just saying yeah. that there's there's something about her being a girl that makes it that makes you at least consider it differently well again i think that goes to the strength of daniel harris as well because if it was like the girl from like the party 
that Corey wanted to go to, I wouldn't have cared at all. Yeah. Daniel Harris really, like, especially, like, I felt like that car date scene was just really important for us to just find out that she's a person that's just not all eccentric. Because, yeah. again, like, yeah. Corey coming home and getting all those gifts right away, spray painting his name on the, the – that was – cuckoo crazy if i talked to a girl two days ago and she spray painted our initials with a heart on lockers jesus red flag run yeah yeah i agree which by the way this is completely not relevant but why did Corey get detention for that he took it for her yeah no i get it but like the fact that even feeney would give it to him it's like it says it says tk loves cm which, first of all, you have no evidence on that it is Corey Matthews. You're telling me that Corey's the only CM in the entire school. And then second of all, it's like Corey is clearly the, I don't want to say victim, but he's the recipient of this token of love, not necessarily the other way around. So why would you give it to him? 100%. Also, are we to believe that a public uh, vandalism <laughs> only gets you detention? <laughs> especially from Feeney of all that. That's what I mean. Like, it's not even that it was like the small thing that they could cover up. Like, no, this was huge in public. And they're like, well, I guess you'll get the attention. What? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Do you have anything else that you want to say? No, I feel like we pretty much covered everything. Yeah. I think I, we covered all of my notes. Uh, yeah. What's your bra moment? Where you at? Yeah, I guess my bro moment was just the way that she was moving very, very quickly in the relationship. And I, I think that we do get a lot of that, uh, you know, amongst all relationships of just like getting really excited or, or meeting someone. But in, in her particular situation, there were so much family issues that she was trying to use this relationship to cushion herself for or use as a crutch. And I just thought that was a real... And again, I don't know as far as like 2018 versus 2000, like 1994 or whatever. Um, but I, that was just a moment that really I was just like, whoa, let me sit and think about that for a bit. And why does she need this relationship so strongly? And why, what does Corey mean to this girl who has no man that she can depend on? And all of a sudden she meets this trustworthy man that she's ready to give him everything. Yeah. It's not just it's not because she doesn't like him. She definitely likes him probably more than the other guys. And that's why she's going balls to the wall with this. Yeah. Because she's so afraid of losing the one person who she thinks will be the replacement of her dad. Like that is bruh. Yeah. Bruh. Yeah. That's definitely a moment. Um, and my, mine, uh, I, I just keep coming back to this moment when they're in the hallway and they talk about her sexuality um, and her being fast and everything. It's just, for me, that that bra moment for me was this situation of, A, not only is it not played very judgmental, you know, like immediately they're like, she's not a bad person, which I, uh, I, I, I liked that they threw that in there. But it, for me, that was a moment where I was like, if this was 2018, I would hope that she, we would be having this conversation with her. You know, it's like, I would hope that she, it would, her narrative would take the center place. Her and her brother talking about this um, would kind of take center stage. And and that yeah, was where I was for, for me. I will, I will agree that there was never a moment where we just saw TK and Harley having like That's what I'm a saying. moment together. And it's like, 
why would why would we make Corey the central piece of their dynamic? Like, I if if you're gonna have Corey like bring Harley in to talk to her at the end or something like that, and have like, okay, you know what, Harley, I'm gonna make things. You know, you and your sister are gonna make things right here. Exactly, we're gonna find her. Like, have him kind of play like they used to do that with Hey Arnold all the time. Like, Hey Arnold yeah. was always the one who was just like repairing other people's relationships. Corey can be that person. Yeah, but like otherwise what's going to change with their dynamic? Because that's the one that matters as far as these characters that we just met and found all this crazy backstory for. As a matter Uh, of fact, now that I think about it, do Harley and Teresa even share screen time at all? I think the literally the only time they share a scene is when Harley comes to take Corey from the date. Like, that's the only time they see each other. The rest of it is Corey, I mean, um, uh, Joey and Frankie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, that one scene is it. Outside of that, there's, there's like, if we're supposed to believe this relationship is as important as it is, I just feel like there was a lot lost opportunity there. And especially to also connect, like, we know the role that Harley plays with um, Teresa and, like, coming to pick her up and everything like that. But we never, like, take that moment to be like, wow, these are Harley's parents, too, that we're learning about. Like, there's never that that connection and then maybe we're supposed to as an audience just kind of come to that conclusion that like oh well this gives us a, a a small piece of what this character went through but it doesn't really it's a what this character who's related to this character went to it, it like it'd be like finding out like well sean's sister has a really bad relationship with sean's dad okay well let's talk about sean for a little bit yeah exactly out. a little bit um yeah Speaking of which, something that's also related to Sean, and we don't have to get into it really, but I just want to bring it up because it will be important later. The idea of the Matthews as a rehabilitation center for others. You know, like this idea that the Matthews... Oh, like when he brings Teresa to the dinner table at the end? Exactly. Like they're like reforming other people. Um, And you know what's funny? It doesn't seem like the Matthews are purposely trying to do that. I just feel that that this is the anxiety that lower class people have around people of a higher class that they feel like they need to be on their best behavior in order to be accepted. Yeah. No, I, I just want to bring it up because as we've uh, spoken about, this will become a strong storyline or thread with Sean's character, but this isn't the, the last time the Matthews family is seen as like this redemption center, you know? Oh no, we're going to see a lot more of that. So that was just one of the things that uh, I noticed. Okay, grades. What grade are you giving this? I'm going to give this episode a B plus. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't think I was. I don't think it's specifically like one that I would state to be my favorite or that it would be super memorable, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm going to give it a B minus. And I'm going to give it a B minus because I, I really enjoyed this episode way more than I thought it would. But the lessons were kind of all over the place for me. Like, again, there's it didn't really state whether or not the politeness thing was a positive or a negative. It didn't. Yeah, really... you know what? You're right. You're right. This was there is some sloppiness here with the storytelling. I'm going to exactly. break it down to a B minus as well. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice to. Um, yeah. Do we need to go over the Feeney taught me? Do you have any strong lessons? Yeah, I think I thought the Feeney taught me was going to be being polite pays off. But you're right. There's no conclusion <laughs> to that argument whatsoever. Yeah. So, my, my note is uh, the Feeney lesson is people are starving for human decency. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess the Feeney lesson maybe is supposed to be taking from, like, Teresa, but we don't even come to, like, 
anything with her. Like she doesn't come to like an aha moment where she's like, "You're right, Corey. I don't need to act like that, like this." Or I don't like. There's there's no point she gets to. We just find out about her. There's no resolution to her. Exactly. I don't know that there is a female lesson here, guys. If you know one, let us know. All right. Uh, homework. Do you have homework for this week? Yes. My homework is that there is a very beautiful Ken Burns documentary about Vietnam on Netflix that I've just finished. It is very, very long. But as someone who didn't know jack shit about Vietnam, I feel like I know everything about Vietnam. I feel so personally attached to this. And it's so interesting, like, in school, we, you and I were kind of talking about this, how... It, Vietnam isn't something that's really covered or discussed very well just because there's so much shame attached to it. But it was very interesting watching this. I felt like everything I knew about the 60s and 70s was like a puzzle and there was all these pieces missing and Vietnam just completely like pieced together this puzzle that was like, oh, that's why, oh, that this is all making so much sense now and this is why our country's this way. And I just learned a lot about our country and it's- Do you know why we didn't even pull, I mean, I'm sure you do, but we didn't even pull out of the war- when we were supposed to, because they didn't want to give credit to uh, the, they didn't want to give credit to one president. <laughs> no, no president wanted to be the the president to lose a war. That's exactly. why the war went on forever. Like there was, it was just so many stupid stuff. So many people died for no reason. But what I really love about this documentary, probably more than anything else, is that it's not just Vietnam War from the American side. It's from the Vietnamese side. Like we're talking to vets that fought on the other side of the war, what their motivations were, what their lives were before and after the war. Super interesting stuff. So if you guys have Netflix, it's very, very long. But I, I tell you, you watch the first half of the first episode and you're going to be sucked into it. Yeah, I love Ken Burns documentaries because they they are a deep dive into thorough. thorough. Spent ten years on this one, ten yeah, years making yeah. this one documentary. They're, they've always been. I had an ex who um, was obsessed with the Civil War, and we would watch his Civil War. Yeah, I saw that's on there. I think I might. I think I might try to watch. Dude, Civil again, War it, I think what he does is not only does he tell you the truth, but he tells you the humanity of all of these stories. And that's the thing, like when you, like when you, especially when I heard of war, it was always so many statistics and things like that. But when you actually like talk to people who are like, no, these are my memories of like being with these guys. And we were in this war, not knowing if we were supposed to be there or not. We just were trying to survive and come home. Like it's just all very compelling stuff. Which also makes uh, the force. I think Forrest Gump was my first uh, exposure yeah. to Vietnam. hundred percent. All I knew about Vietnam was Forrest Gump before this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, but that, that, uh, that's all I have to say about that, I guess. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. And What's your homework, homework, bro? What'd you say? What's your homework? My homework uh, is actually um, a little bit of Daniel Harris. Um, I'm going to bring up Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. It is. Movie. It's a great movie. It's one of those movies that I love because it just could not be made today. Like, there are so many things that are very specific to the era. Is that Elizabeth Shue? Or is that Christina Applegate? It's Christina Applegate. I I had to look up. Yeah, it's Christina Applegate. I I was confusing with Adventures of Babysitting. Yeah, you're right. All right, cool. No, no, no. This is Christina Applegate. Uh, Right away, Rose. I love this movie. It is such a fun 80s movie to watch. Uh, She literally... She literally copies her resume out of a book. And I mean verbatim. Doesn't change anything but the name and gets a job. I was like, that just would not fly nowadays. I um, just love how they're just showing how easy it was <laughs> to lie on resumes. Like before the internet, Jesus, there was no way that they could 
Yeah, exactly. People would just be like, I went here. And everybody would be like, all right, cool. Like, what are you going to do? Lie on your resume? Yeah, yeah sure. Whatever. <laughs> it was like a, a nationwide honor system. And it's just ridiculous. Um, so the freedom of it. Definitely check out that movie. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. It's also super empowering from like a young female perspective of just like you have this girl. I think she's still in high school, maybe. And she like is able to be super successful and take care of her family and work a job. It's just it's really a a pro woman. Yeah, it is. Um, As Netflix likes to tell me, I like movies with a strong female lead. Um, yeah and then also check out the Bechtel cast um it's the podcast that is all about uh women in film and whether or not they interact with each other um, i'm pretty sure everyone's heard about the Bechtel test this is a podcast that goes through kind of a lot of our favorite movies from the past and just sees if they hold up and as expected a lot don't but you're also surprised at the ones that do there are lots of movies that are kind of written off as um shallow or you know whatever and they do a really good job at showing women uh interacting they they did one that i looked at that was uh old jumanji versus new jumanji oh yeah it was pretty good pretty good conversation so check that out yeah awesome all right anything else um uh, yeah hashtag bring back topanga hashtag bring back topanga for sure all right uh so that'll be our episode thank you for listening to brought world remember you can find us on spotify itunes stitcher youtube uh if you haven't leave us a rating tell us what you like tell us what you don't like email us at brought at gmail.com we love hearing from you guys on twitter and all of our other things you can find me on twitter at extra siege that's x-t-r-a-c-e-e-j uh tc you can find me at a braver me all right you guys remember to dream try and do good guys also send us, send us your request for tc's penis name all right yeah yeah we need those I, I i have an unnamed i have unnamed genitalia right now guys we can't <laughs> let this stand later bros later bro